I do love a baptism. There's rejoicing in heaven today, I'll tell you, with one more who has joined the family of God. That's just superb. Well done. Well done. So, we're going to be talking about the I am sayings. In, in particular, we're going to be looking at um, the uh, John 15. So, if you have a Bible to hand, please have John 15. I'm going to read a few verses, and I'm going to say a little bit about them. The first one is verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. And then finally back to verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now we're going to come back to those verses in a minute. But there's a bit of a theme there, isn't there? What two words did you hear come out of those two readings? Sorry, can you read them again? I wasn't listening. <laughs> two words, shout them out. Love and fruit. Love and fruit. So we're going to be thinking about that. So, history is made all the time. Even today, as Chloe leaves us as an employee... Um, as Joshua's baptism is marked in our baptism register that goes all the way back to the 1870s. History is being made. And we live in a world of influencers. Now this is Black History Month, October every year, and today we'll be looking at a little bit of black British history and hearing about some of the influencers that you may not have heard of. And we celebrate that contribution today. Now, for some people, this will be things that you know a lot about. And for others, this might be completely new. This is the first time that Christchurch has marked Black History Month, I'm told. I, I wait to be corrected on that. And we want Christchurch to grow as a diverse and multicultural church. There is lots that we can do, and this is a starting point today. Now, there are loads and loads of materials out there celebrating black history, and I'd like to briefly share my own journey in the last few months, drawing on one resource in particular, which is this book, Black and British, by David Olusoga. Uh, if you want to, it's a great book. Uh, it's a flowing narrative history. There's also a four-part uh, TV history on iPlayer if you want to follow it up. If you're not a great reader, um, and have a look at iPlayer BBC. Now, any short introduction I can give to a 500-page book will skip over detail, and I hope that I can give a flavour of what I found as I read it. Now, we start way back in the time of Jesus. The Roman Empire spread from Asia in the east across Europe and North Africa to Britain in the northwest. 
And we see from the spread of the church that the movement across the empire was relatively easy. That's how the early churches were set up across the Mediterranean. So it's not surprising that Africans came to Britain even as early as the first century. But the story really picks up in the 16th century as European merchants looked for new places to trade. West Africa offered new opportunities, not least for the wily local businessmen who drove really hard bargains with the traders who came, who were rather naive. Over time, might and greed changed the balance towards trading not only in goods, but in people. Farmers established businesses in the islands of the Caribbean, and traders established a trade in slaves, in people, from West Africa. And this triangle, Africa, Caribbean, Britain, established and grew as a trade and ownership of people, not only became normal, but legal. People of colour could be found at all levels of society in the UK, despite the slave trade and taking away of liberty for most. It was illegal to trade in the UK, but it still went on, and adverts trading people were commonplace, usually meeting somebody in a pub. Not all were enslaved who came to the UK, sailors and students being two reasons to come to the UK for free men. Now, in 1776, the year of American independence, George John Scipio Africanus, the first of our notable influencers, arrived from Sierra Leone. He was unusually well treated by his host family in Wolverhampton, that is unusually for other families, and he received an education and set up an agency for servants, not slaves. Both Ignatius Sancho and Julius Subis rose to either fame, or in one case infamy, in society around that time. In 1765, Jonathan Strong was a subject of a two-year case that brought Granville Sharp to the fore as a lawyer and a campaigner for the rights of the enslaved. This culminated in Lord Mansfield's ruling in 1785 in the case of James Somerset, essentially ruling that trading in slaves in Britain was now illegal. Within 60 years, a campaign for abolition would succeed, not only in England, but around the world, wherever British interests lay. White campaigners for abolition are well known, but not so much the Sons of Africa, such as Equiano and Kukuona and others. They offered personal testimony with an eloquence that could not be ignored, people gradually taking notice. William Wilberforce is associated with the campaign from 1787 to 1807 when victory was won in Parliament. During this time, those 20 years, 800,000 Africans were transported on British-owned ships. The process of securing freedom required vast sums of money as compensation for the former slave owners. Final victory in 1838 was won around the world as much through the uprising of slaves in West India as the, abolition, uh, the work of the abolitionists. Attention turned then to the two million slaves in Africa, in America, sorry. The case was advanced through the speaking tours of African-American abolitionists, such as Moses Roper and Henry Box Brown. He was famous because he escaped by mailing himself in a wooden crate to Pennsylvania and freedom in, 18, uh, in, in freedom. In 1859, Frederick Douglass, another influencer, returned to Britain on a speaking tour. 
what he found was a country quite different in welcome to that he had experienced 15 years before, when abolition was all the rage. The support of the 1830s was waning, and in the light of the victory of the North uh, in American Civil War, and the increase in British expansion overseas, extending the empire culminated in what was known as the scramble for Africa. European powers flexing their muscles in advance of face-to-face -face conflict to come. The UK became very powerful and wealthy based on industries such as cotton, port and industrial cities such as Bristol, Liverpool and Manchester grew, and later Victorian exploits in South Africa led to war with settlers and locals alike. British dominance was questioned by these events. In 1895, King Kama of what is now Botswana engaged in a tour that won hearts against the power ambitions of Cecil Rhodes. Africa had become part of the stage for a white European conflict that would change the world forever. Britain faced Germany across the trenches in France and Belgium. There were African and Caribbean battalions, but their use was resisted on two counts. Firstly, training men for war that might go home and be disruptive was not to happen, and secondly, that it felt they would not look good to the enemy. In 1919, after the war tensions rose and demob sailors and soldiers in the poor cities such as Liverpool were targeted because of the colour of their skin, over 20 years later, a new war, a new perspective, as black American GIs were over here, but separated and restricted by their own rules and were often shunned by locals. Many British people could see the unfairness of their treatment. In 1948, the British Nationality Act opened up free movement across the declining empire. In that year, the empire Windrush set sail, settling into Britain with, was troublesome for many with further targeting in 1949 and 1958, notably in Notting Hill and Nottingham. The first Race Relations Act in 1965 was followed by tightening of immigration law. Disruption and tension was often portrayed as one side rioting where in reality the other had been targeted. Amidst recalling tension and uh, riots, the 1980s, David Olusogu and his book was able to write on page 518. One of the ways in which black people and their white allies attempted to serve the future was by reclaiming their lost past. The uncovering of black history was so important because the present was so contested. So if ever you've asked the question, why have a black history month? I hope that that potted history, and I apologize for any errors I may have made along the way, gives you an idea. But it is a time to celebrate those influencers and those who make a contribution, and many who have been invisible, who actually should be visible. The funny thing about history is, as I said at the beginning, we make it here today, as we did yesterday, and as we will tomorrow. And I find myself, as I read this book, getting to the next chapter and saying, oh no, not again. Even when things get better, like in the 1830s, at the height of abolition, within a couple of decades, attitudes had changed and hardened again. And this is not just black history. This is our history.
If this makes us uncomfortable, either because we're black, we're white, or anything else, it will. We need to move from being not racist. The next step is being anti-racist. The Diocese of Southwark, when we're placed in the Diocese of Southwark here, have recently agreed an anti-racism charter with actions to stand up for racial justice, both internally in the diocese and externally with a voice to the world. And we at Christchurch are starting this important work today. So let's turn to the Bible. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says this, If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. We should all suffer with one another for the struggles we face. We don't. The question is, how do we get to that place? So our verses today from Jesus' own words about the vine offer us four lessons. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the first lesson is, we can't do this on our own. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. A branch gets nourishment, water and purpose from the plant it belongs to. We need to be connected to Jesus by his spirit. Now you may find people who deny there's a problem. You may find people who say this is hopeless. Neither of those is true. What's the answer? Jesus. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So lesson two is we need to make it about the others, not about me. We know the command to love, but how do we do that in practice? We lay down our lives for others. Find out about our friends and what would help them. Be accountable for ourselves through them, through honesty and encouragement. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give. This is my commandment. Love each other. So lesson three is we are chosen to bear fruit. What were the two words? Love and fruit. We are chosen to bear fruit. Fruit that will last, will make a difference in the long term. That means that love for all will be known. Then verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So lesson four, why do this? To ease our discomfort? To assuage our guilt? No, to glorify the Father. To show ourselves as disciples who care about each other and care about justice. So we celebrate and honour our history and we make a commitment to bear fruit by laying down our lives, not just saying we agree that things shouldn't happen, but instead speaking out against them. 
This means being aware of ways in which we ourselves are part of that history and are present, including in the church, but being determined that bearing fruit means a hopeful future. That also means knowing and repenting of the past. This is a big and a difficult work, but it is for the Father's glory. It's also the right thing to do. And it's done only by being in the vine that is Jesus. So I wonder if I could close with a demonstration. Lisa is free. Jude, are you free or are you busy? Grab somebody else. Jack, can you come forward? You go one end. You go the other end. Yeah, I don't ask difficult questions. It's not going to end well, Doug. Go on, go on, go on. Get down the end. Right, right to the end. Right to the end. Go, 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 go. Don't fall off the end. It's not a tug of war. right. Just stay where you are. Just stay where you are. This wouldn't go well. Okay, so a theme that's been coming through for me very recently is this idea about new creation a new birth. So Lisa is the new birth. I didn't choose who was going to be at which end. Um, and you are the past. Okay? So you're the future, you're the past. I was preaching on uh, John 3.3 3 a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about new birth. Where is this new birth, and where does it come from? He asked that question, where does it come from? Well, it comes from the future. New birth is about the new creation that God is going to make where everything is perfect, there are no more tears or sorrow or death or racism indeed. So that is the new creation. And what new birth is, and we see that new birth in the baptism we saw today, is the, kind of the dragging in of that future perfection into the present now, as, as humans, we naturally stand here and we look back there. And then we look that way and we go, I don't know what it looks like. Because only God does. But in Jesus, in the work of the Holy Spirit, the new birth that we have through Christ, the future perfection where the line will line down with the Lamb is dragged into the present. And we don't need to look to the past. We don't deny it. And we absolutely have to repent of it if we need to. But we look to the future hope, which is of that perfection. And that's what's going to make a difference, which is Jesus today in our words, in our actions. Thank you. Pop the down. Now, the next opportunity is February, because February is the month in which Racial Justice Sunday is, is marked, celebrated. I don't know what the right phrase is. But we have work to do between now and then for what our response is going to be in terms of racial justice. And we have 12 months. What's going to happen in 12 months' time, in 2022, in October? It will be Black History Month. Can we celebrate it a second time? 
but is much more of a celebration looking forward to the hope and the contribution and the love that we have for one another. Are we up for that? So rather than being my Black History Month, which is what we've had today, let's have our Black History Month next year. Who's up for that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you that he spoke of being the vine, that living, organic, dynamic plant that is full of life and full of fruit. And we thank you that he told us to be in that plant, connected to that plant, part of that plant. And through that connection, give us the wisdom and the words and the compassion and the repentance that's needed to do your work. I have no idea what this looks like, but you do, Lord. And I just pray, come Holy Spirit. I wonder if I can invite the band just to come and play just very gently just for a moment. Because for some this morning would have been an eye-opener and maybe something you've never heard before. For some, what I've shared this morning may have been very painful. And I just pray for the Lord to come and to minister to us this morning. And Lord, we commit ourselves to you today. Lord, come and inspire us with your future hope. Lord, come show us what a, a different future for Christ Church might look like. Lord, if we have feelings of guilt or confusion, turn those into frustration, which turns into action. Lord, help us to find ways to safely share stories that we would know one another better. Come Holy Spirit, come Lord Jesus, you know any healing which is needed in the room. And we pray, come and heal.
Could I just invite everyone? I've said a couple of times, what's the answer to any question? And you said Jesus. Is that still true? Could I just ask you just to say Jesus' name quietly on your lips? Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.